Good morning. God is faithful, isn't he? Most of us remember what we were doing 21 years ago today. Can you, can you imagine? It's been 21 years ago. I remember we were getting ready to go about our day. And normally we don't turn on the television, but we did that day. That morning while Nancy and the girls were getting ready for school, I was getting ready to take them and head off to work. And they were talking about a plane that hit the Twin Towers. And while I told Nancy to come down, we saw the second one hit. It's one of those days that you'll remember forever. It's just, it's kind of etched in your mind. It's uh, December 7, 1941, those that were alive and, and, and during that time. That's the day that would live in infamy, that, that started the World War II for America, that when Pearl Harbor was attacked. Everybody remembers 9-11 and, and how you felt and, and, and the emotional response that you had. One of the things that I remember about it was the amount of people that contacted me that wanted to be closer to God. Because there were so many people that wanted to come in and, and, and be part of the church, and, and they had been kind of on the outskirts. They, they kind of wanted to serve God, but they kind of wanted to do their own thing, and, and we'd been praying for them, we'd been looking to, to help them and to encourage them to, to get stronger in their faith in God, and, and it just seemed like they didn't really move at all. But there were so many people that when 9-11 happened and they thought the world was going to end, they made their way to the house of God. And during that time, when they were in the house of God, they would say, Pastor, I am going to serve him forever. I am going to do this I am going to do that. And they made all of these promises to God. Then as the weeks and the months and the years passed, the promises were forgotten. See, it's important. I want to talk to you this morning about the promise keeper. But promises, broken promises, are some of the deepest hurts you will ever experience in life. And you say, well, why is that? Because most broken promises come from family and friends and loved ones. Others have promises they make us and they don't hurt us as much. But when it's close, when it's somebody that's near you and there is a promise made and you're counting on it. I remember years ago, Nancy was teaching fourth grade. God bless her. And she had a young man in her class and he was normally a nice uh, young man who just a normal student and didn't give us any trouble whatsoever. And she could not deal with him. He was so unstable and his emotional response to everything was just a burst of anger. So she sent him to the principal's office, which was 
my office and I just wanted to drink a cup of coffee. But I had this young man in my office. Didn't understand what he was going through when I would try to talk to him and communicate with him. It was just a ball of anger. So I called his mother. Uh, his mother and father had been separated and, and divorced. And, and his mother told me as she broke down in tears and she said, my husband, this young man's dad, told him, son, on Saturday, I am going to come. And you and I, we're going to great America. We're going to have a great time. And he said, she said, he got up early that morning, got dressed, and sat on the front porch waiting for his dad. That never showed up. Nine o'clock, ten o'clock, noon. Never showed up. The next day, he gets up, gets dressed, waiting for his dad that had promised they would have a weekend together. Only to be let down as the hours etched by his hurt and his pain grew deeper and deeper and deeper. So by Monday morning, when school rolled around, he was a ball of anger and frustration at the world because of the broken promises in his life. You ever been there? You ever you ever have been on both either side where where somebody's made a promise to you and then it's been broken and it's like oh. or perhaps you've made a promise to somebody and you weren't able to fulfill it. So that's why infidelity or gossip hurt so much because they are breaking a relationship and they go deep into the very heart. See, broken promises always lead to a loss of trust in a relationship. If you don't have trust, you don't have a relationship. In 1958, you say, well, that was a long time ago. I don't remember it. Uh, but it wasn't that long ago. 75% of Americans said they trusted Congress to do the right thing. In 2022, it's 22%. And I think that is a gracious number. Because if I did a poll right now, I bet I wouldn't get very many hands that says, yes, I trust my congressman to do the right thing. Not for them, but for you. Isn't that amazing that in, in one generation it can turn around? Uh, in, in right now, four out of ten Americans, right now in our country, four out of ten Americans will say they no longer believe in marriage. 
and the sanctity of marriage. Isn't that amazing? 75% of all Americans right now do not trust our current public educational system. 75%, three out of four people that you come in contact with say, I don't trust our educational system. When many of us were kids, that was the only educational system we had. It was quite a bit different because moms and dads helped run the educational system in your community. 45% of Christians today, or 45% of Americans today, identify as Christian. 45%. Down from 75% just once, one generation ago. You say, what's happened? Why, why, why are these numbers just going down? It's because of a lack of trust. Because of broken promises. How many politicians do you know that said, if I were elected, you'll have this and this and this and this, only to be elected and not fulfill anything they promised. And then they wonder why nobody has confidence in them. You wonder why, why do people not have confidence in in the church, in, in Christianity, when you've had so many leaders and everybody else fell that said, I will promise to do this, this, and this, only to fall. The, that loss of trust, that lack of trust and confidence leads to anxiety, leads to despair and self-doubt. You wonder why our nation is where it's at. It's because there is a lack of trust because of broken promises. And it's sad, but here's the good thing. God never breaks a promise. God never breaks a promise. Christians may break a promise. Leaders will break promises. But God is always faithful and truthful and will never go back on His Word. If He says it, it will come to pass. If He promises something, He will complete it. God never goes back on His Word. He is a promise keeper. If he says it, you can, you can count on it and you can put your life on it that God will fulfill it in his time and in his way. If the church wants to regain people's confidence, if you and I want to regain people's confidence in our own lives, we have to get back to a life that stands on the promises of God. Not, not promises of, of a denomination, not promises of a religion, not promises of a personal experience, but the promises of the Word of God. When we stand upon what the Word of God says, because in reality, my opinion or your opinion matter little to you, me, or anybody else. It's what the Word of God says. 
So when we're standing on the word of God. And you're believing and trusting in what the what scripture says. Scripture is infallible. It will never falter. It will never fade. And when you're standing on the principles of the word of God, your life is secure and what you say will happen because you it's not you saying it, it's the word of God. Paul in his second letter to the church in Corinth and in I've told you so many times, I love the church in Corinth. They were so confused and they were so messy and they were so vibrant. I love that. I, I like it. When, I like new Christians. I like it when, when new Christians know really nothing about the Word of God. It's so much fun. And here's Paul addressing this, this wild, rambunctious group that, that said, hey, when God said, hey, you can do this, they said, ooh, let's do it. And they were just messy. They were all over the place. And, and Paul's just trying to help them. It's, it, he was like, it was like herding cats. He was trying to get them all going in the right direction. And, and in, the, in the book of 2 Corinthians, he says this regarding the, the promises of God. For no matter how many promises God has made. How many promises has God made? I know this. All the promises in the book are mine. They are yes in Christ. What does that mean? That they are yes in Christ. All the promises that God has made are fulfilled in Christ. Promises to Abraham. And he said, Abraham, look at the stars of the sky. Look at the sand of the seashore. He said, your, your generations are going to be like that. Your, your children are going to be like that when he only had one. And he said, look at all that. And he said, and through you, all the world's going to be blessed. Speaking of Christ. What about the King David where he said to King David, you're one of your heirs will always be on the throne. Speaking of Christ. What about Noah? Noah, I'm going to bring some rain. Well, what is that, God? Well, it's what Floridians will know every day. Uh, but it's water falling from the sky. So I want you to build a boat. Well, what's a boat? Well, I'm going to tell you what a boat is. And Noah believed him. And get this. It took him 100 years to build that ark. I think God told him to get wood from a different place just so it would take him longer. And the whole time he was preaching, it's going to rain, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. Just like the Lord said, I'm coming back. And the church is saying, he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. Guess what? He's coming back. In our lifetime, and I pray so. Well, that'd be awesome. Joseph. Hey, Joseph. 
I'm going to give you this dream, Joseph. Your father and your brothers are all going to kneel before you. You're going to be a leader. But wait a minute, Joseph. Before you get to that place, I'm not going to tell you this part, but your brothers are going to disown you. They're going to throw you in a pit. Some of them are going to want to kill you, but then some of them are going to want to sell you. They're going to sell you into slavery. You're going to go into slavery, and just when you think you're going to be prospering in slavery, somebody's going to lie about you, and you're going to be thrown into prison. And when you're thrown into prison, you're going to bless a couple of people. And then when you bless a couple of people, they're going to get out, and they're going to forget all about you. And it's going to look like my promises have never been spoken to you at all. God was preparing Joseph to receive the promises that he had given him. Can I speak to somebody here today? Just because you haven't seen the promises God has given you fulfilled does not mean he is not going to do it. When Joseph was given the promises, he was not ready to be a leader. When Noah was given the commandment to build an ark, he wasn't ready for the flood. God does what he does and fulfills his promises in his time, in his way, and at the appropriate moment. It's up to God to give us the promises. It's up to us to say yes. Promises of salvation all come through Christ. Promises of deliverance all come through Christ. Promises of eternal life are all fulfilled in Christ. Promises of forgiveness, promises of blessing, promises of healing, all the promises of the Scripture are fulfilled in Christ. And Paul says our only response to this is amen. Now we look at the word amen and you either think of asking blessing over the food and everybody says amen or the old song amen amen but it means more it's a significant word in scripture it simply means so be it or surely what Paul is expressing to the church in Corinth and what the Lord would want us to understand this morning is simply this. That all of the promises of God are fulfilled in Christ. If God has promised you something, He is going to complete it. The only thing we have to do is say, yes, I believe it. I trust in it. I'm anchoring my life to those promises. It's God's responsibility to fulfill it. It's our responsibility to believe it. Second Chronicles 7.14 Everybody 
quotes that. We love it. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, open up the windows of heaven, and heal their land. We, we love that. But there's a principle in that passage of Scripture that, that God works on, and it works on in His promises. It's the simple if-then proposition. God says it, and if you do part, God does His. If you acknowledge God and repent and turn from your ways, then God will heal you. Salvation is for all. But it's for all of those if they repent and turn their life to Christ. Salvation is free to anybody and everybody that wants it. But those that will not turn their life to Christ will not receive it. It's only if you do this, then God is going to do that. Are you with me? The promises of God are God promises them Our response is, we believe it. We trust in it. And through Him, the Amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. It's our responsibility to stand on the promises of God. To look at them and say, yes, they are true, and yes, I am going to live my life accordingly. Look what James 1, 6 and 7 says. He said, but... He's talking about a person that's asking about the promises of God. He's asking for wisdom. He said, but let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. But let that, not, that man not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. What is James saying? Simply this, that when the Lord promises something, you stand on it. Don't doubt. When you ask the Lord for something and, and he says, let, it, let you ask for wisdom and he's going to give it liberally to anybody, but don't, don't doubt. Don't doubt that the Lord is going to do it because when you have faith one moment and then doubt the next and you think he's going to do it, then you think he won't do it, you're not going to receive anything from the Lord. There's something about standing on the promises of God that says, if God promised this, I am going to receive it and allowing faith to arise if God said it it will come to pass you say well well how do you keep how do you keep from doubting I wonder how how Joseph kept from doubting and 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 if you read the story, when you, when you saw him in prison, there was a moment when he had despair, where he wanted to doubt, but he girded himself and said, no, I am going to trust in the Lord. David, when his, when his family and everybody was taken from him, when he, when he was in despair and those that were following him wanted to take his life he got to the place that he went to prayer and and when he was in prayer that's when he realized that the promises of God are yes and amen and he asked God and said God can I get everything back and God said yes and then David rose up and went after it and got it there's something about not doubting and you say well well 
is is not doubting just never never having a question at all no it's not it's about catching yourself in psalms 74 asaph says my foot had almost slipped I almost lost it when I considered the prosperity of the wicked and everything that they were doing. He said, and I almost lost my vision, my hope, my purpose, my goal. He said, and then I made my way to the house of the Lord. And then I understood their end. There's something about connecting with God that restores your, your faith and confidence in Him. Look what the Scripture says in, in 2 Corinthians 7.1. He says, Since then we have these promises. So since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves. Let us purify ourselves. Who's doing the purification? We are. How are we purified? Through the washing and the regeneration of the Word of God. It's through the Word of God. It's through the Spirit of God that we are, that we are purified, that our minds and hearts are focused on Him. It's when we get into the realm of, of wondering how we can achieve something or how we can accomplish a task, how we can make our way through, that's when we start doubting and we start worrying because we think, oh, we cannot do it on our own. But my friends, if there is a promise that you are struggling with, if there is a situation in your life that you, that you are wrestling with, I would encourage you to make your way to the house of God. Make your way into a time of prayer where you get connected with God that when you walk in with doubt, you can walk out with confidence. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates. I, I love that word, contaminate. Isn't that a great word? Contaminate. Contaminates body and spirit. Physical, spiritual, emotional, mental. Anything that contaminates, anything that is not pure, all things from God are pure. Everything from this world is impure. So what he's really saying is there, if there's anything that you're doing physically that is distracting you from, from keeping the presence and the power of God in your life that's causing you to doubt, walk away from it. Repent. And move on. If there's anything in your spirit that you're thinking about, that you're desiring in your spirit, that is keeping you from having a relationship with God, get rid of it. Because if you're dwelling on that, you're allowing an opportunity for doubt to enter your life. It's when we're walking hand in hand with Christ. It's when we're walking not only in, in purity of mind, but purity of life. When we begin to walk in holiness, both in spirit and in body, that's when the presence of God emanates from us, and that's when faith rises. That's when we say, I can do all things through Christ. That gives me strength. It's body and spirit. 
perfecting holiness. Just what is holiness? Practicing purity. Doing what is right. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. And I am not going to ask anybody to stand yet. I want you to think about what is a promise in your life that is yet unfulfilled? Is there something that you feel like the Lord has spoken to you? Or something you've asked the Lord for and you're trusting in Him for it? And it's been a long time. And sometimes you wonder, am I ever going to get out of this prison? Am I ever going to see the promises of God fulfilled in my life? I want to encourage you today. Listen to what the Word of God says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Scripture is plain. It's clear. It's true. All promises of God will be fulfilled. It's up to us to trust and obey. I'm going to ask our praise team to as they start singing, I want you to do this. As they start singing the song, if there's a promise in your life, or if there is something in your life, you want to see God fulfill. As they're singing this, as a testimony between you and the Lord, I just want you to stand and say, Lord, here I am. I will rest in your promises. I am trusting my confidence is in you. I don't know if it's something related to your family. Maybe it's related to finance. Maybe it's related to health. Maybe it's a promise that God has spoken to you while you were in prayer. Maybe it's something in the Word of God that, that says that you, know, that you can be an overcomer in all things and you're still struggling with this thing in your life and you're trying to get over it, but, but you haven't been able to. But today you're going to say, I believe your promises and I'm standing on your Word. If you're here today, and you have a promise that you want to stand on. As we begin to sing, I want you to stand and say, Lord, I'm standing on this promise right now. And begin to worship him. Father, we